0: But uh, I'm just so grateful and, and thankful to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, thankful to our district supervisor, Pastor Alex and Berna, uh, Pauline and Guy, for their hearts to serve our district well. So thank you very much for all that you guys do uh, in our district. Uh, when I first came to church, it wasn't, it wasn't until God you know, changed my heart that I understood that there was a plan for my life. And I think many of us understand that. We understand that there's a plan for our life, that it's not what we want, but along the way, that as we get to know God, that it's a plan that He wants. And His plans are so much better than ours, isn't it? I mean, if we look at the world around us and we plan our own way, what hope do we have? Where do we go in life? And up until what point do we say, I've reached the goal, that I've reached the place in life, that this is what life is all about? Because when we do reach that place and we don't have God, where do we go from there? But then when we have God in our lives, and when we understand that God has a purpose for us, now we can live a life that is abundant, as the Bible says, because now we have eternity to look forward to, not just a temporary world. When you came in, you were given a bulletin, and we're in our series, Simple Acts, Extraordinary Results. And that's what God came to do. That's why He sent Jesus Christ. A simple act, a simple act of sending His one and only Son, but that there was extraordinary results that took place out of that. From budget cuts to uh, financial crisis, from domestic violence to warring countries, we see the world crumbling and falling apart as a result of mankind and the heart that is inside man. That we fall apart, not because God is not in control, we fall apart because we try to take control. If you look at the world, the question is, is there any hope left? Is there any hope left for our city, our nation, our world, our island, our, our state? Is there any hope left? Because it can almost seem like there's hopelessness. In the book of Matthew... One of the disciples, one of those whom Jesus called... In fact, Matthew was a tax collector. And when Jesus saw him at the tax office collecting taxes, He told Matthew, He said, Hey, come follow me. Matthew left everything and then followed Christ, but didn't understand and realize the impact that Jesus would have on His life until after Jesus went to the cross and came back to life. That's why He wrote these words... And in the book of Matthew, this is what he writes down. And you can take out your notes and and follow along. But in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18, he writes the words of Jesus Christ and he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not, what? Prevail against it. Did you know that Jesus came to bring us hope? But He does it through the church. He does it through you and I. He, He came to bring hope, but it... But it's not just a religious thought that people think it is. It's more than that. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that when we have this relationship with Him and as we have a relationship with one another as the body of Christ, then we become effective for the cause of the King that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And church is not a place we go to. Church is not the building. Church is something we are. It's you. That's the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you, the church. Jesus is the one that's building it. I remember when I first was invited to church in my elementary years, I, I, I hated it. And I, didn't, I didn't have a good time. I, I didn't understand everything. But then when I was invited as an adult to come to church... I hesitated because I thought, well, if that's what church is about, I don't know if I want to go. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to understand. And then as we continued to attend, I received Jesus. He strengthened my heart. He strengthened my relationships. And then He deepened my faith in Him. But that was only a result of someone inviting me. Someone investing in my life to give me the hope that God will build my life And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because we are the church. This morning we want to learn how religion will not bring hope, but that hope comes through a person. The person of Jesus Christ. See, the world's attempt to make everything better, the world's attempt to bring spiritual organization is a thing called religion. But we know that that does not bring us hope, it's not religion that will bring us hope. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that brings us hope. And the first thing we've got to realize, and we're going to go through three things that will help us to realize that there is hope. And the first one is to realize that the world's ways is not the answer. It's not, have you ever tried to do things without God? without God involved in it, and you tried your very best to to make it work. And then when you came to the end of it and it didn't work, then we cry out to God. And God comes in and then He saves the day, or He gives us wisdom to apply to our lives so that we could be better for Him and give us hope. Before I knew God and before I came to know Jesus, I put my trust and my hope in logic, in myself, how much money I had in the check-in account or in the savings, what car I drove, our home, it was in that because I thought, this is what's required for living. But that's the world's way, and nothing wrong with having those things. It's just understanding that that's not going to be the answer for hope. In John 16.33, Jesus said, "...that these things I have spoken to you, so that in Me you may have peace." In the world, you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Now think about it. In the world, so much chaos, destruction, turmoil, devastation. Jesus overcomes all of that. Even in our personal lives, when we have all of those things crowding us and the world crashing in on us, Jesus overcomes that. In your bulletin, you have these uh, note cards... These invitation cards that you can pass out to people. To people who think that the world's ways are the answer. And it's interesting that we'll run from from one thing to the next, from one idea to the next idea, thinking that that's going to be the answer, only to find out that that's not the answer. And that invitation card is God's tool for us to use to let people know that there's hope when all seems hopeless. So take those and give it out to someone. Give it out to someone who God puts on your heart, someone who you know, maybe somebody you don't know. But that we would do the same thing that someone did for us when they introduced us to Jesus Christ. See, peace is found in Jesus. He gives us hope no matter what the world looks like. And He's the only one who gives us a realistic vision of what our life could be. He's the only one who can do that. You can picture in your mind, Oh boy, I wish my life was like this. I I wish my family was like this. I wish this was better. I wish my finances were better. I wish my kids were better. My parents, I wish my job, I wish this was better. You can think about those things, but Jesus is the only one who gives us a realistic vision of what my life could be. Why? Because He also gives us the tools to make it happen. Apart from God, We can only do so much. But with God, all things are possible. He's able to accomplish the things that that we cannot do on our own. He gives us a vision for what our life could be. I think of it this way. Vision is the picture of the potential future that produces passion in people. That's what vision is. That's the kind of vision God gives to us. It's the picture of the potential future that produces passion in people. Now picture, picture what Jesus could do in your life. Ask Him, Jesus, what are you doing in my life? What are you trying to do with my heart right now? What direction are you taking me into? What are you doing? And ask Him. Because vision makes the present condition unacceptable. You know when you have like a compelling vision in your mind, what your life could be, what your marriage could be, what your family could be, and you can picture that, and it's a God-given vision, you can't shake it. That you realize that it's not going to be the world's ways, it's going to be God's ways, that is the answer. And He gives us a picture. Therefore, to stay the same is unacceptable. Why? Because I can see what that was like, and now I can vision what it can be like. And so I pursue that which God gives to me. That's where obedience comes in, because I see a picture of what He's doing in my life. His way propels us forward when the world says, Stay comfortable with the status quo. Blend in with everyone else. Be like so-and-so. Imitate so-and-so. Get the things that other people are getting. Do the things that other people are getting. And it's okay to learn from one another. But that's not going to be the final answer to hope. It's what Jesus is doing in us. Jesus gave me a vision of what my life could be like at a time where all seemed hopeless. But then year by year and moment by moment, He provided wisdom, strength, His Spirit. And one of the most important things in my life, aside from the Spirit of Jesus Christ and my relationship with Him, is He gave me a church body to be a part of. That He's given me a place to, to be at and a place to come together where I can worship the Lord, together, but at the same time He's given me a church family to help me grow in Him. And although being senior pastor and even ordination, we still need each other. Every single one of us need each other. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We are called the body of Christ. That's why we gather on Sundays. That's why we gather from week to week. And I used to have the mentality of, why do I need to go to church for? I can just view it online. I can get the DVD. I can listen to a podcast. I can watch TV. I can go to the beach. That can be my church. I can go cruising. That can be my church. No, it's not. Church is not things. Church are people. It's not a place we go. It's something we are. And apart from the body of Christ, we will not be fruitful. We will not become all that God intended us to be. When my marriage is unsure, Jesus gives me hope. When my relationships are unsure, Jesus gives me hope. When my finances are unsure, Jesus gives me hope. When things don't look good around me, Jesus gives me hope. It's not going to be the world's ways. Now, why, with all the brilliant minds in the world, why, with all the technology that we have and the advancements of medical science, will it not be the world that gives us true hope? Why not? It seems logical. Well, the reason is because Jesus brought us into this world so that we could be saved through Him to reach the world. And you and I have a relationship with the God of the universe where many people don't. We don't belong to this world. We really don't. We're just passing through. We don't belong here. John fifteen nineteen says that the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And it can almost seem like, oh, that's kind of a strong word. But what Jesus is saying is, no, listen, you're not part of this world. That's why you have a difficult time being in this world. And what He's saying is you got to have a tight relationship with me because you're going to be in the world so that I can move in and through you to reach the world. Not that you get caught up in it. If you get caught up in it, how am I going to reach people who are caught up in it without me? I'm going to send people who are in me and I in them so that you can reach the rest of the world because the world's ways are not the answers. It's just not going to sum up. It's not going to add up. It only lasts so long. 1 Corinthians 7.31 Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, what happens? will soon pass away. It doesn't last. Everything that we have. Remember when cell phones first came out, we thought, wow, I didn't even have to be home to talk to people. You want to use the same phone that when it first came out? You can try. It's not going to work. change in this world. Why? Because it fades away. But not God. Our relationship with Him is eternal. 1 John 2.17 says that the world is passing away and also its lust. but the one who does the will of God lives forever. It's only for those who do the will of God. There's that, there's that eternal perspective to our lives that we understand it's not going to be the ways of the world, but God, You gave me a vision for my life and what it could be, vision for my family and what it could be. Now help me, give me the strength and wisdom to accomplish that. Otherwise, I'm going to trust in anything that looks good. Anything that shows faith, anything that's cheap, anything that shows warrant or guaranteed to last a lifetime. Have you ever bought something guaranteed that you had to return because it broke? Hey, you can't return it because the company is no longer in existence anymore or something went bad. Nothing's guaranteed. You try to return something that's lifetime guaranteed, it's broken. We bought bulbs six years ago that lasts nine years and it burnt out the other day. And I was thinking, wait, what happened to the extra three years? It was guaranteed for nine years straight. We turn it off and on. But nine years straight? No, it's not guaranteed. But there's only one thing that's guaranteed, and that's when we put our hope in Jesus Christ, because He never fails. Therefore, number two, write this in. Put your hope, put my hope in what's been proven that's where we got to start. Put our hope in what's been proven. Because there's, there's things in life we'll put our hope into. You know, we'll put, we'll put our hope into a relationship, into a person, into our job, into the economy, into a law that was passed. We'll put our hope into all those things, and then it doesn't last. We we'll put our hope into man, and it doesn't last. Why? Because man and things don't last. Jesus does. What have you put your hope into? What have you put your hope into recently that has failed you? Don't look at the person next to you. It's not the right time to do that. But think about it. What What have you put your hope into that has just recently failed you? It could be anything. See, man and the world and things change. These things will fail. But Jesus doesn't. And I thought, well... Let's just say, for theory's sake, that Jesus could fail. Let's look at His life, and at what point would Jesus fail if He could fail? Let's just say, when He was born, and and being in the manger, with, with the surrounding circumstances? What if he got sick? What if something happened to him? And, and what if they couldn't keep him warm? What if, what if he died at birth? You know, there's many things that could have happened to Christ as a human being, but he passed that. And then as he grew up, he, he came to a place where he knew his calling. And then, he pursued the things of God, because he knew who he was called to be. And then he did everything according to God's ways. But then, uh, the religion religion got in the way, and people started to think, wait, there's something wrong with Him. Because He's doing things wrong. And so then they plotted to kill Him and nail Him to the cross. Now let's just say at that point, Jesus found out, because He did, He found out what was going to happen to Him. Wouldn't you think at that point, maybe He would have, like... Given up and said, "Okay, okay, you guys, I, I'm done. You guys can have your way. I'll do my own thing, and I won't, I won't do what I, what I believe I was supposed to do." And so he kind of just backs off. I think that would be a good time for him to fail, because he would have, at that point, if he backed away, he would have disproved his deity as being the Son of God. But let's just say, as a human being, he could persevere through that. And He just stayed strong, because human beings can do that. We see different cults stir up, and they keep moving forward, regardless of what people say. Let's just say Jesus kept moving forward. Then, when He was arrested, beaten, scourged, His back was ripped open, crowns placed on His forehead, crowns piercing His head and His face, beaten into a pulp, where the Bible says He was no longer recognizable as a man. Tell me, maybe at that point, Jesus would have said, "...I'm done." Why am I going through this for people who are doing this to me? I'm trying to die for them so that they could have a relationship with the Almighty God. Maybe at that point, Jesus would have said, I'm done. I can't take this pain anymore. That would have proven that he was a failure. But let's just say out of some human strength or some kind of spirit that was in him as a human being, let's just say he could persevere past that. And then He was nailed to the cross. As painful as it was. Let's just say He persevered. And He died. That would have been failure up until that point. Because He was telling everyone that He's the a, a Son of... Now He wasn't telling everyone. People were spreading the word that He was a Son of God, that the prophecy has been fulfilled, and that He's going to be God's Son, that came to save the world. You see Him die on the cross, you would say, I don't think so, He's failed. But then, three days later, He rises from the grave. Now, I think at the cross we could say, okay, maybe at that point it looks like failure. And if anything, that would be the point where we would say that's where Christ was proved false. But He rose from the grave and did not fail in what He said was going to take place. He's proven Himself that He's able to give life where there's death. Now we could look at that and say, Well, maybe He did. Persevered through and He was raised from the grave. But that still doesn't surprise me. Jesus still is not the hope of the world. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever tried a resurrection? It's much more difficult than you think. Don't try it. I'm not saying to try it. I'm just saying take this word for it. That He died on the cross and was resurrected. To me, that proves everything already. That regardless of what scholars may say or theorists may say about Jesus being a man and a great guy, a great teacher, and that's all He was. Yeah, if He just died on the cross. But the fact that He resurrected from the grave shows me that He's proven Himself. Therefore, I'm going to put my hope into what's been proven Not into something that's temporary or something that doesn't last. As the Bible tells us in Isaiah 40, verse 8, "...the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever." He never fails. He never fails. And I thought, Jesus is definitely the hope of the world. Because when the world looks like it's dying, Jesus is able to bring life. He's able to bring hope. Therefore, the third thing, and this is for all of us, let people know about true hope. Let people know about true hope. Jesus is the only proven hope. He's the only one who proved Himself. He's the only one who we can rely on. You know, when my mom took me to uh, church at an early age, she took me to Sunday school, and I learned that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I learned that, and, and, and I saw Jesus as a man who had a beard and a robe, who would float and walk on water and, and things like that. And, and, and He would do great things. He would do miracles. And He looked like a, a well-kept gentleman. And he didn't understand about the cross. All I knew was Jesus loves me. And then as I continued to grow up, and uh, my uncle would read me the Bible. In fact, we would visit him in prison, and he would read us the Bible. And sometimes we wouldn't understand everything, but the love that He showed towards us, showed us God's love. And then when He came out of prison, He took us all to church, and still I was unsure of what was happening. I went to this church, and and I couldn't understand everything. So by the time I became an adult, and I was invited to church, in fact, I really wasn't invited. My father-in-law said, if you live with us, you have to go to church. And so I thought, oh, well, free rent. Might as well go to church. And uh, if I'm forced to go, then I'll go. But then when the pastor spoke and, and talked about Jesus, and how much Jesus... how much He believed in me, that I had a future, that I had a hope in Him, and the way it was preached, it was preached in a way that I could understand. Then I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and... And as I kept going to church, I began to see a a, a picture of hope. And that someone told me about true hope. You and I are here because someone told us about Jesus Christ. Go do the same for someone else. See those empty seats next to you? That's the potential person that God sees that we are to invite to get to know Jesus. Yeah, but I don't know who to invite. I, I, God knows. He will put it on your heart and you'll struggle with it. I struggle with it still. I'll think, oh, I don't want to offend the person. I don't know. I already left the store. I don't know. And But He's given us the tools. He's given us an, a quick way to tell people, you're invited this season to spend Christmas with us. And I'll just give it to them and say, oh, this is for you. And they'll say, oh, thank you. Now they could toss it later, but it's a seed that is planted. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, but I don't, don't want to offend anyone at work. Don't, don't do it at work then. Do it after work. Well, they don't let us do those things at work. Call them up after work, right before work, whatever it takes. God will put the person on your heart tell someone about true hope because someone did that for us. When I said yes to Jesus and made my deal with Him that I would serve Him, there's not a day that goes by where this is not a joy. This has never been a job for me. It's never been a job. and, And many of you understand this. It's a privilege to serve God. Yeah, but you don't know who I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with this other Christian. That's because God is trying to change you. That's what He's doing. He's sending that person in your life so that you change. No, no, no. He's trying to change them. Yeah, that's why He's sending you too. We all need God. But tell someone who is lost without hope that there is hope. See, Jesus gives me hope when all looks hopeless. I can trust in Him. This is why church is so important. It teaches us what Jesus is all about. And one of the greatest honors of life is when Jesus calls us and knocks on the door of our hearts and asks us to play a part in His church. That's why He gave us gifts. That's why He's given us a a way to, to speak well with people, a spirit. That's why He's given us resources That's why He's brought us through all that junk in our lives so that we could give the same hope to those who are going through the same junk. He doesn't just save us so that we can go to heaven. He saves us so that we can help others who may not understand that there is hope. I really don't understand how as a Christian, I don't take great joy in serving Him. I don't understand as a Christian how I can say no to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be used by Him. That's why I'm so thankful for you as volunteers and those that serve, that you said yes to Jesus in that way. That you're saying, I'm going to do everything to reach out to people. Those that serve in our life stage ministries and in our young adults crossover, in our nursery our seniors, CR, all our different ministries, you do that because you heard the knock on your heart and you said yes to Jesus Christ. Imagine, if every single Christian prayed a prayer every day of saying, Lord, use me today to my fullest potential so that more people can know you as Lord and Savior. You know what would happen? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah, but it doesn't look that good. Sometimes the church seems hopeless. We're not building the church. What does Matthew say? Jesus says, I will build my church. It's His church. Matthew 12, verses 17 through 21. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning Him, speaking of Jesus. Look at my servant, whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, who pleases me. I will put My Spirit upon Him, and He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight, or shout, or raise His voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed, or put out a flickering candle. Finally, He will cause justice to be victorious. Let's read this part together. Ready? Go. And His name will be the hope of all the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. I understand there's Christians here this morning that you believe that, but then there's sometimes non-Christians or people who don't believe that. And the world is filled with people who don't believe that Jesus is the hope. I'm going to ask our team to come up and, and get ready. For some of us this morning, we would say the very same thing. Oh no, but Jesus is the hope of the world. But did you know that Jesus lives in you too? That He's going to use you and I to to spread hope into a hopeless world. He's going to use you and I in the various places that we are to bring hope to a hopeless society. That He will have His way. But He wants it to be through His church. You're the church. You're the called out ones. The question is, will you believe that the church will be built by Jesus. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What do you believe? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, there's many things that we go through and things that we see around this world that will cause us to come to a conclusion that there's no more hope left. But when we put our hope in You, boy, it changes everything. Lord, I pray for every single one of us that that believe in You. That we would be people who give people hope. That we would let everyone know how wonderful You are. So I pray for each person that as we head out today that we would spread Your hope. Pray for those that have never received You, Lord. Maybe they were searching for something and maybe they thought in the world that that they would find the answer. But now they know that it's not in the world that the answers come. But it's in you. there's anyone here this morning that you've never said yes to Jesus Christ? And maybe you're searching and you're looking for what so-called works for you. Jesus brings hope far beyond the grave. That He's able to even resurrect what seems dead in your life. I'm going to say a prayer and Jesus, here's your heart. You can say this prayer meaning with all your heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me brand new. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just said that prayer, I want to pray for you. Could you just lift a hand real quick? I want to pray God's blessing over your life. Go ahead, raise your hand. If you just said yes to Jesus for the first time, good, God sees your hands. Good, God bless you. In the back, God sees you. Anyone else who said yes to Jesus, good, God sees you. You put your hands down. Lord, I pray your blessing on these people that as they walk with you and as they've given their hearts to you, that you will give them a vision of what their life could be. That there is no longer hopelessness that surrounds them, but hope that pursues them, that You've given them hope, and that You're the One that will strengthen, provide, and protect. For all of us, Lord, even as even as Christians, as we struggle through life, may we never forget that it's through You that we can do all things. And so we pray for our children, our family members, our co-workers, even those that we come in contact with, that we would let people know about true hope, and that's You. Just a simple act, but extraordinary results. In Your precious name we pray, and we all said, Amen. So when Jesus was with His disciples and letting them know what was about to take place and helping them to understand that it was more than just believing, but it was a lifestyle that they were to live so that the rest of the world would be able to understand that, that God was, was one who loves people. Not one who is after us to get us, but one who wanted to be with us. Jesus said, this is my body which has been broken for you. And every time you do this, remember me, that my body was sacrificed for you so that in those times where you feel like you're not able to overcome, you can overcome because I have overcome death. And no matter what situation you're in, I'm able to overcome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you take the bread together? The Bible says that the life is in the blood. And Jesus said, I'm going to shed my blood so that you may have life. I will give my life so you can have life. And it's a life that is everlasting. It's not a life that we just live and that's it. He says, no, you you now have a purpose for living. And my blood is a new covenant. Where now you can live godly in a godless society because I've called you to live that way and I will strengthen you even when you feel like you're not able to. It's my strength in your weakness. Do you take the cup together? You stand with me and we're going to close in prayer. The ushers will collect the cups on the way out or they may come by. This past Wednesday, some of you were here, but we celebrated our 30th anniversary here at New Hope. And when I looked at the life of Jesus Christ, He was 30 years old when He started His public ministry. And He he did everything possible to shine the light of God into this world for about three years. And I looked at this church and what God has done in those 30 years, And I thought to myself, Lord, you have only just begun, haven't you? And His power will be given to every single one of us so that we can in turn spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to a hurting world, a godless society. It's not going to be the laws. It's not going to be our legislature. It's going to be the people of God that shine as lights into this world. Would you bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. Lord, there's many of us this morning that we have this changed lifestyle. You've given us a brand new way to live. And so we're grateful. Help us to to be bold in the places you've called us to be. To be people who love others. Not be legalistic or arrogant or prideful, but that we would love people how you love us. I pray for those, Lord, this morning that they're far from You. They've never said yes to You. They're trying to figure out life. But this morning, they felt this tug on their heart like someone loves them exactly where they are. But they've never given their heart to You. And if that's you this morning, you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. For the very first time, I'm going to pray and help guide you in this prayer, but you add the heart. And here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. Help me to live godly in a godless society. Give me boldness. Thank you for giving me a testimony of a changed life. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for those that said yes to Jesus for the very first time. And you can let me know by just raising your hand real quick and. And enough that I may see your hand and and pray with you. Go ahead, raise your hand. You said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time. Good, back there, God sees you. God sees your hand. God sees you back there. He sees you back there. God sees you up here in the front. God sees your hands. He knows your hearts. God sees you. And Lord, for those that said yes to you, I pray that they will remember this day in which new life was given. And that for the rest of their lives, they will live for you. For all of us, Lord, give us boldness. That we may live a lifestyle that is pleasing to you, even in the most darkest places. Let our lights shine before men, that they may see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, Amen.